I constantly told myself throughout high school and in my relationships up until like last year, I kept saying to myself, like, I am the loser in all of my relationships and that's okay. That's a burden and a cross that I'm willing to carry. Being the loser. Being the person who takes the sharp end of the knife because I would rather bleed than have the next person bleed. Rather rather you're happy with the end product than I be happy with the end product but you're miserable and I'm dragging you along because one thing I don't ever want is to feel like a burden to somebody else. If I ever hear that anyone is tolerating me, I will simply die on the spot. Literally. What is up and welcome to it. You are tuned into yet another episode of That's Funny, a podcast dedicated to learning, unlearning and becoming with me as your host, Bob Breezy. And today we'll be chatting a little bit about people pleasing and I don't want to take too much from it because it's a really good episode. So let's get into it. Hey. Ah, so the topic of people pleasing, the topic of people pleasing. I won't lie to you. People pleasing is a very hectic topic, and I must confess before I even before I even open my mouth and tell you a story, I must confess that I really did not think that people pleasing was something that I ever struggled with. I didn't think not even ever struggled with, but like to me, I was above it. <laughs> like, like I'm confident, I'm nice, I understand myself. Like there's absolutely no way that I could ever be found in a position where I'm working my back broken in order to impress the next person or sort of fit in and be accepted by a particular crowd. That's crazy to me. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. And while I do know that there were certain instances in my childhood where I kind of made myself smaller or muted myself, silenced myself, whatever that looks like, to sort of make sure that everyone in my circle and everyone in my, not my circle, like my friends, but everyone around me in my surroundings was sort of comfortable with me. I know for a fact that I did that. But as for people pleasing itself, like actively going out of my way, absolutely not. By the way, I'm pretty sure y'all can tell that I'm in a brand new space, a brand new um, environment. And I might be distracted just a little bit because there are people, you see, <laughs> there are people who keep walking past, but I'm really trying to make this podcast as authentic and as... um dynamic as possible so if you see my eyes wandering a little bit or I sound like my attention is almost going it's because I'm getting used to vlogging in public I've got an entire ring light for the people who are on Spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and cannot see what is going on here I'm literally sitting in the cafeteria the outside area of the cafeteria of my school um, got my podcast out my podcast out my podcasting mic out my ring light my laptop all my equipment is just lying around all over the place and obviously people are walking past like what the hell is going on with this girl like what is this honey and also obviously there are people in my vicinity just kind of like listening in on the conversation or trying not to listen in on the conversation wondering what the hell is wrong with this girl so yes I am definitely um adjusting to the environment here school is lovely by the way thanks for asking but that's not the conversation we're having here today you see I'm 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 running away i'm deflecting i'm deflecting from the conversation i had but i think when i came to realize that i was in fact a people pleaser and it was getting to a point where it was detrimental to my life was the first time that i had an anxiety attack anxiety attack nah, anxiety exactly i was also shocked i woke up that morning i couldn't breathe i'm panicking my heart is beating out of my chest i really had no idea what was going on and i really 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 100 percent in that moment i was sure i was gonna die like i don't know from what <laughs> what was gonna kill me but i was sure i was gonna die i had never experienced an anxiety attack or a panic attack ever before in my life and so last year when it happened i was i was really confused especially because in my head 
head. I had everything together. I absolutely had everything together. So there I am sitting on my bed trying to piece this prayer together. And I guess to sort of give you context, what had happened was that week, I think it was towards the end of the week, maybe the Thursday or the Friday that I had the panic attack in 2021, beginning of 2021. And the days leading up to that, I was struggling to read. <laughs> like, I was struggling to read. I'm not struggling to read as in, I don't want to read. Somebody give me motivation, bully me into reading my school books. But, like, actually being illiterate. Ill illiterate. Woo, illiterate. I was losing my mind. So, what happened was I was trying to read my... Um, we, we had been given this prescribed reading for a, for a module. The same module that I aced. The same module that you guys on YouTube and Instagram helped me complete. And we got a distinction for. And they are currently using right now at tax as an example report child yes i just had to humble brag just a little bit just a little bit but it's our it's our win so i get to brag we get to brag make a noise in the comment section if you were part of that survey but anyway child let's focus on the conversation at hand they had given us this prescribed reading and it was this entire thick book and i had so much time i was like listen i'm gonna go in make comprehensive notes about this book that they're making us read and all of this stuff and i remember i pulled it out the first day on my laptop it was the only module that i had at the time and I open up my laptop, I'm trying to read this thing, and it just wasn't gathering. But also it was like 9 p.m. So I figured I was probably tired and I needed to give myself space, time to just sleep, maybe rest, take the night off, and then try again tomorrow morning. The next day I tried to read, it happened again. I couldn't make sense of the words. So I could literally see the letters on the words. I can see here, it says, Bax loves reading. I can see that they are letters and they are forming words, but my mind could not connect with my logic and make the words word. Does that make sense? So I literally was illiterate for a couple of days. And I remember I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> this is not a big deal. Like, I'm pretty sure I can read. Like, obviously I'll be able to read. And so days go by and I'm still not able to read. And the morning that I had that anxiety attack, I woke up, I opened up my Bible, which is the message translation Bible, super cool Bible. If you ever buy a Bible and you don't know where to start and the Bible feels overwhelming, I definitely recommend that you get a message translation Bible. It's like 180 Rand at um, is it Kumbooks? I don't know. That Bible shop, that Christian shop with the aesthetic Christian thing. Well, aesthetic is a strong word, but hey, child. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I'm trying to read this Bible and here I am illiterate, unable to like make sense of it. And that's when it like kicked in. The anxiety went and trapped me. It had me left, right, up and down from all of the angles that it could have me. And here I am panicking. I'm crying. I can't breathe. It, it almost felt like what my siblings have asthma, just by the way, my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister have asthma. I don't have asthma. I don't know how the asthma gene skipped me, but we praise God. And from what I've seen, asthma attacks look like, that's what it felt like. I felt like I was having an asthma attack. I'm crying. And remember now, I'm illiterate. I'm even struggling to process my thoughts and, and think clearly. And it just, there was a lot going on. So I'm sitting there. I'm trying to piece this prayer together, together and say, God, please help me. God, please help me. I'm suffering. I'm dying. Do you not see me? Come and help me. Come and save me the best way that I could. And obviously, I'm not speaking with my mouth. I'm doing all of this in my head because, I mean, God, what do you expect me to do? You know, I can't read. I can't speak. What do you want? <laughs> like, what do you want from me? The, only, the best thing I can do is like howl and scream and cry. 
And that's what I did. And I remember immediately getting the idea that I need to contact the UP psychological services of whatever. So I did just that. Sent the lady an email after my whole episode like, hi, my name is Marmara Mwahi. I'm suffering. This is my admin number. Help me. This is what happened this morning. I couldn't read. La, 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 la. I need assistance ASAP. They connected me to a psychologist, obviously. Or is it, is it a psychiatrist? Psychologist? I don't know, dude. Therapist. Let's call it a therapist, um, for lack of a better term. But she was such a sweet lady. I met her every single Thursday. And I think for me, obviously, how do I say this? Especially as a Christian, like I think there are a lot of like very things around mental health. Like it's almost like, you know, if you're not being gaslit, it's something that's being completely demonized. And it's very difficult to find the balance between your feelings and what you're going through is demonic and um, what was the other extreme? Oh, being completely gaslit and brushed off like, oh, that's not real. Pray about it. It's not real. And yes, we don't neglect um, the power of God to work and the blood of Jesus and all of these different things. But I definitely think that there should be a balance in the middle of all of these things. So even in me going and getting a psychologist was a little bit like, I wasn't sure, but I knew it was what I had to do. So I did it. And the main reason why I wanted to reach out was because I felt like, first of all, I have it all together. Remember I said, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with me. Like I didn't know, think I was struggling with anything. There was nothing to my knowledge that was bothering me. And my entire life, I've been so good at keeping it together, keeping my emotions together, never crying. And if you can ask my friends and former members about this, they will tell you like one thing about me, you will never see me cry. And if you see me cry, you must know that wow, wow, you, you really have broken me. <laughs> like, you've really broken me. And, and I guess I'll get into the many reasons why I never cried or showed any emotion, really. And I know it sounds like a very unbelievable thing when you look at me on the internet because I'm one of the most expressive people on the internet. But in real life, showing happiness and showing... I remember my surprise birthday party. You guys watched the um, footage of my friends coming over to my house to surprise me for my birthday and it was this incredible thing. And really, genuinely, I was, I was happy. Like, I was super happy. But I remember... I don't know if it was Nobuche or who mentioned it. Kea. Kea was mentioning how, like, they kept waiting to see, like, some sort of, like, emotion of extreme happiness or for me to cry. Anything. Like, give us something, Barbara. And I literally was standing there like, thanks so much, guys. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> like... And I think also it relates to me just saying that's funny, but I literally have a straight face. Like I, I struggled for a very long time to express myself in any way. My wanting to go and see a psychologist, wanting to see a psychiatrist, I, I don't know what the proper terms are, but I must stick to psychologist, was based on the fact that if I was saying that I believe that God can help me through anything, I, I'm a firm believer in prayer, I'm a firm believer in God carrying me through things. I wasn't really sure even what am I going to be praying to God about? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, what am I really asking God to help me through if I don't even know what the hell this thing is that's choking me at night and stopping me from being able to sleep? Like, there was so much going on in me. So I really just wanted somebody professional who is trained to identify these things. And once you've identified the different things, I can take that thing and go back to God and say, you see what they're saying about me? You better deal with this real quick because I don't like this. It's upsetting me and my homegirls. It's making my life difficult. Okay? Thanks. And so that's what I did. And that's how I came about the chat that actually 
I'm a people pleaser. The first thing that she wanted to unpack was my childhood. And the second thing that she wanted me to be intentional about was recording my thoughts. So she made me do a thought journal and every week that we'd meet, she'd kind of take me through, um, she'd kind of make me take her through my thought process in a lot of different um, things and events that happened to me throughout the week, the different things that were stressing me because even in my personal life, yo, guys, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it all. <laughs> I've properly seen it all. Like, I think people people really take for granted the strength of people sometimes. Like, some of the people that are the loudest people, and I think Lebo Rampedi said this even in his um, video where he shared about his struggles with mental health, how you look at people and it's like, you always expect this person to be the funny person. You expect this person to be the loud person who will cheer everyone up. And when this person comes, we know that it's about to be a good time. But do you really know what this person is struggling with? And I'm not saying like all, all of the funniest people in your life are depressed and anxious and people pleasers. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you really should never take for granted that somebody is okay. And I think that's also something that we've learned in the past couple of weeks um, with all the people that we've lost um, in their struggles and battles with life and mental health as a whole. And so when we looked at my childhood, the first thing that we realized and the first thing that she kind of identified and picked up, and I think I, I always knew this about myself, is that I always tried to act like my achievements didn't happen. Whenever I achieved something, whenever something incredible happened, I would actively work to keep a straight face and not show any form of happiness because there were instances where people made me feel like I wasn't allowed to celebrate my wins because other people around me were not winning. And it's a very crazy concept when you think about it. And, and I want you to think about the kid in the classroom who gets 90% without fail, right? If I walk out a test, guys, and I say that test dribbled me, it doesn't mean that I failed. Just because I got a 90 doesn't mean that it didn't dribble me. Do you get what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's like you're told, okay, don't celebrate your wins because other kids around you might have gotten 30%. Other kids around you might not have passed as well as you did. But at the same time, if I get 90% and I don't cheer, then people look at me and say, why is she not happy? Why is she sulking? Why does she have a sulking face on? Because she got 90%. Oh my word, how should we feel about ourselves? So it's like you do the one thing. People are not happy because now you're being arrogant. Why are you celebrating when other people failed? But then you act humble and put on a sulking face, which is also something we need to talk about. I don't get why humility is associated with suffering, why humility is associated with ashy lips and like a suffering face, like, oh my God, I'm so humble. Look at me, I'm so humile. <laughs> There's no such word as humile. I know it's humble, but that's, that's what I say. I say humile and humility because I think I'm funny. Lol. <laughs> right? But it's like... No matter on which end of the extreme you are on, people are going to hate you. People are going to say something. There'll be a group that will be upset that you're celebrating and there'll be a group that will be upset that you're not celebrating. So what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And that's the thing with people pleasing is you're never going to be able to satisfy all of these different groups in your life. And that's how you invite anxiety into your life is now you are stuck between impressing group A or not even impressing group A, but being at peace with group A, being at peace with group B and being at peace with group C. And now when group A, B and C want three different things that are pulling in three completely different directions, you're left with anxiety. You're left with a panic mentality over explaining yourself because why? because you you don't know which way to go and it becomes even worse when you now start to develop your own opinions your own ideas of the person that you'd like to become the person that you want to be that conflicts with group a b and c now we're going in four different directions and the decision you make can only go in one direction it's a trip it's mad
But what I also noticed is that when I was stagnant, when I wasn't doing anything incredible, um, when I wasn't working too hard to achieve anything or achieving anything, nobody was fighting. Nobody had anything bad to say about me. Nobody had any negative comments to say about me. And I think when I speak about it, it almost sounds like, <laughs> like I'm villainizing the entire school or villainizing the entire grade, and it really wasn't the case. And I, I'm going to get to that in the second part with my thought journal. Here you are, you're being told by a teacher that you thought you were cool with that you must not show happiness at all, my sister. And then I walk out the door, and I'm being told by another group of teachers that they should never see me sad the adults that were antagonizing me because i yo guys my schooling career was so special because i went from being feeling like i was being bullied by a group of children to then advancing and feeling like okay now me and my peers are cool because i went to a large school and then the large school had a word school across from it so the same people that i went to primary school with were the same people that i went to high school with by the time that we got to high school like we're grown now we've worked through our differences everyone sort of understands each other and we don't really have as much beef as we had in primary school there is a, a general understanding so now i'm finally in a place where me and my peers are cool and have an understanding of who we are and the roles that we play in the food chain and society etc you focus on being the cool kid I'll focus on being you know what I'm doing here in my corner and that's when the flip kind of switched yeah the switch kind of flipped right that's when the switch kind of flipped and the script kind of flipped because now I had parents and adults like staff members who were actively working against me and I can bring look I can silence myself and bring my Shiko Mbali my friends from high school here and they will tell you the story niggas in my grade can tell you all about it because it was a continual public humiliation of me a continual public um stabation of me and like they were just not ashamed as adults towards an 18 year old 16 year old 17 year old girl it absolutely made no sense but I guess that's also a conversation for another day because I know that it wasn't a pattern that I experienced alone there were many other people who went through what I went through and especially being the black head girl of a wood school <laughs> ah, I'm just laughing please don't laugh with me I'm laughing alone I'm not even laughing all of that is going on and mind you, I still have a personal life that I'm dealing with at home. My parents are going through a divorce. There are certain issues and people are being pulled to one side. Now you have to decide, are you going to live with mom and dad? There's so many different things. And in all of those dynamics at home, I'm the eldest daughter. So now I also need to learn how to be strong for my siblings. And granted, absolutely nobody told me that I needed to be strong for other people. But that's just the kind of girl I am. Like, right? And I really am that person. Like, Yes, I'm dramatic, granted. But in terms of conflict, like that's not something that I will do. I will actively go out of my way to avoid conflict. And so how that kind of fed into my people pleasing is I constantly told myself throughout high school and in my relationships up until like last year, I kept saying to myself like, I am the loser in all of my relationships and that's okay. That's a burden and a cross that I'm willing to carry. Being the loser. Being the person who takes the sharp end of the knife so that the other person can have the, the, the plastic um, insulated part of the knife and cut the knife. But now the knife is cutting into my hand <laughs> and I'm bleeding, but that's okay because I would rather bleed than have the next person bleed. Regardless of if I've known you for 20 years, regardless of if I've met you five minutes ago, I would literally rather have the bad end of the stick or the short end of the stick just because it will make me feel better to know that at least I'm not the reason that somebody else is suffering. At least I'm not the reason that somebody else has the 
short end of the stick or is experiencing unfairness in a certain situation, I would rather die than have the next person be the dead one. Does that make sense? But now what happens is I continually was suppressing myself, continually was suppressing my emotions, com- continually was suppressing my opinions, my, um, I don't want to say desires, because it, it sounds so selfish. Like my opinions, my desires, my whatevers. But like I was basically erasing myself so that other people can draw and decide what the drawing must look like because rather rather you're happy with the end product than I be happy with the end product but you're miserable and I'm dragging you along because one thing I don't ever want is to feel like a burden to somebody else. One thing I don't ever want is for somebody to tolerate me. If I ever hear that anyone is tolerating me, I will simply die on the spot, literally. Because why are you tolerating me? There's no need for that. Then let's just part ways, you know? And I think that's why I also um, appreciate people who are able to communicate openly where they're at through out relationships platonic and romantic um all of the time because it helps me know where i stand with you and if i know where i stand with you i'll always be at peace because now i know how to maneuver now i know how to act right so that there isn't drama i get at the drama i get at the drama so yeah all of this is going on at home i'm the eldest child so naturally what am i doing as a girl who likes peace as a girl who likes drama i'm not gonna cry when things are all over the place and my mom needs help gathering the kids I'm not going to be falling apart and, you know, adding problems onto the many problems that my now single mother has to sort of grapple with and deal with because there was just so much going on, right? And then now we have to choose. Are you going to stay with your mom? Are you going to stay with your dad? Do you stay with the parent that does this or do you stay with the parent that does that? Do you stay with the parent that you're closer to but know that the other one will feel you? Like there's so much going on and I felt like I had to be strong for my mom because that's what happens when you're an eldest child. And I think, again, this is a entire conversation for a whole nother podcast as an eldest daughter you become your mom's confidant but then you're also your dad's confidant but then you're also your grandmother and your grandfather's confidant because you're the eldest grandchild in this situation and your siblings need to be taken care of and fed while people are losing their minds and there's a lot going on and others are crying and howling and fighting you need to make sure that the situation is under control and so if i need to be in control of the situation i can't i can't be an emotional person. And, and this was something that she said. <laughs> this lady said to me, she's like, do you feel like if you started feeling, you would lose control? I was like, well, I mean, you don't have to say it like that because I'm, I'm not a control freak. That's not what I am. But... 100%. I, I always felt like in order for me to be in control of the situation, in order for me to be able to deal with the situation, there was no time for me to be happy, sad, excited, or anything. Anything. We just move. We're on a mission. We're soldiers. We're doing what we need to get done so that other people don't have to have the sharp end of the knife. And that's it. That's how we're moving. And then jump over to my thoughts. Um, the breaking down of my thoughts. And, and I have a story to tell you, please. It's such a funny story. And again, this is why this podcast is named That's Funny. Because I look back at these things in hindsight and I'm like, that is so funny. But in that moment, it was not funny at all. But when I tell the story, it's really funny. It's really funny. Fun fact, actually, people always tell me how they don't like and they don't know how to react when I tell them sad stories about my life because I always tell them laughing and saying jokes and it's just kind of like my sister that is so traumatic and sad why would you be laughing and that was also something that my psychologist and my pastors um continually pointed out is like every time I needed to express some sort of um distaste or if I was unhappy with a certain situation like I'll say what I want to say and then leave a young giggle at the end like oh I don't really like when you do that (laughs) Just to, <laughs> just to 
to just to balance the equation. It's like I've I've read this tweet on Twitter where people are like, just say whatever you need to say. Stop adding lol at the end of every sentence. But I'm that person. I'll confront you and add a lol at the end because I've learned that if I laugh about it and I play it off as a joke then people aren't really going to attack me for that because I was just joking. Like, I can just turn around and say, oops, I was just joking. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, let's continue doing the thing that I don't want, but because I want to please everybody, I'm just going to act like I want to do it. Ha, <laughs> um, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to the story. Um, I lost my uncle in... Just before my birthday um, last year, my mom's brother passed away um, from a car accident, injuries, all of these like kinds of stuff. And for the first time, <laughs> I'm not laughing. For the first time in my life, I found myself sitting under, you know, the VIP tent. Okay. If you are not South African um, or if you are not black South African, I've never been to non-black funerals in South Africa. So I don't know what that looks like. But in our country, when we are the host family or the family that has endured the loss of a loved one at this particular funeral, there is a tent. There is a tent and basically this is like the VIP tent. In this tent, there's Fanta Orange, Coke, Apple Tizer, depending on how fancy the funeral parlor that your family sort of bought into is, right? But there's all sorts of beverages and refreshments um, and chairs and it's nicely decorated and then... You have the tent, obviously, that acts as shelter while everybody else kind of stands in the sun and burns or in the rain and gets wet. Um, you as the family, as the grieving family, get to sit in this VIP area, as I like to think of it and call it, um, so that you can comfortably and freely mourn your loved one. And so for the first time, like it hit me while I was sitting on that carpet because now all the chairs were occupied by the mamas and the grannies and, and his wives and all of these different things that were going on. And I'm sitting on the floor and now the casket is dropping and Momo's asking me a million questions because she doesn't understand the concept of, or back then she didn't understand the concept of losing someone and then having them buried. And now everyone is crying because now my grandparents are crying. They've lost their child. My mom is crying. She's lost her brother. My cousins are crying. They've lost their father. Everyone is crying. But now I'm also sad because this was my nigga. Like, I really like my uncle. So now I'm crying too. And now as I'm crying, I'm like, damn, because I think my grandmother hands me a tissue. <laughs> she hands me something. It was a tissue or water or something. And I take it from her. And then I realize, oh, snap, my grandmother is still alive. Do you know what that means? That means my grandmother still has to die, dog. I'm going to have to do this again for my grandmother. And then I look over and I'm like, my grandfather alive too. <gasps> my mom is alive too. My dad is alive too. Momo is alive. My sister, my brother's. Everyone is alive. What is going on? And now, I'm not crying for my uncle anymore. I've shifted to mourning the death of my grandmother, who is alive and sitting behind me, handing me stuff. The death of my grandfather, <laughs> the death of my mom, the death of my dad, the death of my sisters, the death of my brothers, the death of my cousins. I'm burying everyone in my family one by one in my head and crying. I spent the entire week not eating. I remember I was home alone that week because my dad's like constantly traveling. And so I'm home alone. I slept on the couch the entire week. I didn't cook. I didn't eat. I didn't nothing because I was crying over the loss of my family. Like, what am I going to do when my mom goes? Like, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And literally, guys, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing ever. But valid. I think it was valid. And then this was, now we buried him on, on Saturday. Fast forward, my appointment is on Thursday. So between Saturday and Thursday, I'm like not bathing, not doing anything, just crying, burying my entire family. 
And my psychologist kind of goes like, do you realize that you're bringing people that are alive? Like you could be calling your grandmother now and laughing with her, taking your mom out for lunch, but here you are crying about people who are very much alive, very much in front of you, very much tangible. And she explained to me how in the entire process she had realized that, <laughs> I'm not laughing, um, she had realized that I, I tend to make things much bigger than they are in my head in real life. So one person passes away, I bury my entire family. I cry for my entire family, right? When um, one person tells me that, I don't know, my performance at the talent evening sucked. In my head, the entire school said my, my performance sucked. So obviously, when I'm encountering all of these negative comments, when I'm encountering the negative things with the adults in the school, the staff members in the school, the kids who had things to say, all of these different maybe i don't want to say normal because bullying is not normal and we need to stop normalizing that thing and shame people who bully but anyway um but that's also a form of bullying so let's not do that we need to figure this out child i don't know what we're going to do but when all of these sort of inevitable oh you're dark you're skinny kids are making fun of you at school things happen instead of me seeing it for what it is that there are three people in my grade who don't like me or three people in my grade who don't like it when i celebrate three people in my grade who don't like a particular aspect of me in my head it's the entire school and now i'm working my butt off to make sure that everybody is on the same page about how awesome i am and how great i am because i'm really not a bad person which i'm not i'm really not an evil person which i'm not um but if one person said I, I am, then the whole world says I am. And so that was also something that I actively had to work against um, and be intentional about when it came to my thoughts is really taking record of my thoughts and saying, okay, what am I thinking about this particular situation? Where is it taking my mind? And how can I minimize it to seeing it for what it actually is? Because it's, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. But I definitely was a professional catastrophizer of situations. But the issue with that and the biggest thing that I realized is I can't be someone who's constantly worried about things, who catastrophizes things and makes mountains out of little pebbles and then in the same breath say, I completely trust God to help me over something because how can I trust God to help me over something that's huge, massive, humongous, extra large in front of me? That's crazy. Like, it doesn't make sense. And this is what it said, I think, during the time I was reading the book of Philippians. That's what I was studying. And I remember coming across the scripture in Philippians chapter 4. In the beginning of Philippians chapter 4, it speaks about how you should go out of your way to make sure that everyone that you come across knows that you are... Oh, it didn't say go out of your way. Go just... Go read it in the message translation. Philippians chapter 4. It says that make sure that everybody who you meet on your path, everyone who you encounter, knows that you are on their side and that you are rooting for them. That you would take out resources to help um, people become everything that God has called them to be. Right? And I think this is the essence of Christianity is that we are called to serve other people. We are called to love other people with everything that we have. Knowing that love is patient, love is kind. Love means that you might not be able to return the favor someday, but I'm doing this not because you're able to scratch my back again later, but because I genuinely love you and a love for God means you have a love for people. And so it, it was kind of like difficult for me to balance between okay, now I've identified that I'm a people pleaser, but also God has called me to serve other people. How do I do those things and not find myself in a position where I am overextending myself? I am overcommitting to people because I am trying to prove a certain thing. And this was something that my leader also spoke to me about at the very beginning of lockdown, where she was saying, dude, you're so involved in so many different things that you don't have to be involved in. You allow people to 
ask you to do things and you'll go out of your way to expand your schedule and do these things for people just to prove something. What is it that you're trying to prove? I need you to sit down and go think about it and think to yourself, what is it that you're trying to prove to people that makes you carry so much on your back because what happens is at the end of every semester at the end of every two months I find myself in a position where I literally get booked off of school for extreme fatigue (laughs) extreme fatigue because I'm literally sick out of my mind physically emotionally psychologically losing it because one thing about time is there are 24 hours in a day if I really wanted to I can make time for absolutely everyone and absolutely everything in my 24 hours but one thing that I can't do is increase my energy like once energy if it energy there's no way of you know pouring more into that if it's done it's done and i think that's the i guess ideology that i had to sort of like break and deconstruct in my head that there is enough time for me to do everything there is enough time to help everyone out with the request that they had but there wasn't enough of me the person to survive all of that and i think that's also another aspect of um people pleasing is that in my head like i really thought that if if someone asked me to do something or if someone asked for a favor, like a lift somewhere, but I'm not going in that direction or anything of that sort, and I said, no, like this person is going to be dead. <laughs> this person is going to die because I'm not able to help them. I really didn't ever want to be seen as unreliable, ever want to disappoint people because I had been disappointed so many different times and I had been in situations where I trusted people and they were super unreliable and it left me an absolute shambles. So I'll always try to be the complete opposite of the nyols that I've experienced in life from different people. But again, I'm not God. Like that is not my place in anyone's life and really people will survive, hey? People will survive and I think that's also something that I had to learn when it came to people pleasing is learning how to say no and putting your foot down and standing in your no and whether or not you think I'm evil because of my no, that's your baby to grow and feed okay i need to look out for me and i need to focus on what god's calling me to do because i can't do what god wants me to do and do what you want me to do at the same time same thing with group a b c and d like i said it's literally how i ended up inviting anxiety into the picture because i'm trying to split myself in 15 different directions but a body can only go in one direction but now depression comes into the picture when you Fast forward a couple years later and all you've been doing is kind of going in crowd A's direction, crowd B's direction, crowd C's direction. And you realize that the life that you're living is not even a life that you wanted. It's nothing that you wanted for yourself. And that's something that I had to come to terms with when when COVID happened. And a lot of young people are dying. My friends were dying in car accidents. There was just so much happening at the same time. And the first thing that I thought to myself was, if I had to die tomorrow of like COVID, God forbid, or like in a car accident, God forbid, times 100, (laughs) right? How would I feel? Like... How would I feel about the life that I had lived? Would I feel like I've accomplished everything that I want to accomplish? Do I feel like it's a life well lived and I tried my best in absolutely every sense? And I guess this has a bit to do with why I had to leave the whole engineering shandies, which is a topic for the next episode. I think we'll dive into that in the next episode. But yeah, I definitely always felt like it was easier for somebody else to make the decision and then I just follow because my parents said I need to do this. So I'm just doing what my parents want me to do because A, I'm a girl who, you know, um, listens to their parents first before anything. But yeah, I had to come to terms with I'm going to disappoint my parents. I'm going to disappoint people. And that's okay because I don't have the same life plan for me that you have for me. My 
passions and the dreams that I have for myself are not the same as the passions and the dreams that you've had for me growing up. And that's okay. And I think another thing just on the topic of my parents growing up is that they realized that beating me up was not going to help with anything. Hey, like beating me for something and trying to teach me a lesson through beatings. Never that. Like you were never going to get through to me. It literally, I was that kid where all my mom had to do was walk up to me and say, oh my God, I'm so disappointed in you. And I cry. I will cry seven million tears because why are you disappointed? Oh my God, I can't believe I disappoint my parents. <laughs> it's so funny. But with my sister, on the other hand, like my sister needs to be beaten in order for my sister to understand. Like it doesn't gain her in her head unless you beat her 15 times. Then it's like, oh, okay, I see why I shouldn't have done that. But for me, all it took is words. And I think looking back, I can see how all of that kind of ties in and fed into my people pleasing because here I am going to school. All of y'all are saying all of this about me. But something that I hold really close, something that is allegedly also I had to learn about myself. My very first love language is words of affirmation, which always used to be my last um, love language. I had to learn that words, unfortunately, carry a very big weight for me. They've shaped the person that I am and they've kind of determined the decisions that I've made in my life. And so, yeah, it was a really special hill to get over. And I think the biggest thing that I had to learn, though, when it came to affirmation is that there's a very big difference between affirmation and validation, like seeking affirmation from the externals versus seeking validation from the externals. Affirmation means that you are being supported. You are being lifted up in the direction that you are already going and people are willing to back you in whatever it is that you are doing. That is affirmation. You are backed. But when you are validated, it's like it's like a car that goes into a factory. And unfortunately, I have to use this example because I don't know any other example. I'm an engineering girl my whole life, <laughs> right? But um, it's like a car that goes into a factory and it goes through certain checks and they inspect it and kind of tear this car apart to make sure that this car is roadworthy. It will do exactly what it meant to do it meets all of the standards when it comes to weights and stuff and strength of materials and all that kind of jazz um, and if the car passes the test then the car is validated the car is valid and it's a route to go on the road but you're not a car you're a human right so constantly wanting to be in an environment where people are saying yes you are valid yes you can go on the road you are ready to go on the road is a very dangerous place to be in and i think for me i i had to start tweaking that in me in very small ways things like choosing my own thumbnail choosing my own outfit when i go to school in the morning not having to consult with the group chat consult with my friend before i step out the house how does this fit look oh my god am i cute oh my god is everything fine am i valid and people saying, absolutely, guys, there's a girl that's staring at me and I don't know how to, how to act or feel about it. But anyway, we're just going to keep it moving. <laughs> um, yeah, like wanting for my friends to validate the decisions that I make and validate my outfit choices and all of that stuff. And I remember there was actually a former member who said to me, <laughs> what did this nigga say? He said he feels like... Um, the only thing that he is good for is helping me make decisions. But every time outside of that, I'm not really like too bothered about him, which I guess was valid because those were his feelings. Uh, but for me, it spoke more to, damn, like you really need to get it together because now people around you are starting to feel the weight of your indecisiveness. People around you are starting to feel the weight of your inability to make decisions. I said the same thing twice, just in different words. Even on, on, on that topic of just former members and, and him feeling like the only reason he was good for me was because he was a firm decision maker and he was able to help me through that. <laughs> Even speaking of former members, this past holiday, 
I think was the first time in my life that I ever felt like I was in an equally yoked situation. I mean, equally yoked, I use very strongly, very weakly. It's a strong word, okay? I use it very loosely. But for the first time, uh, I felt like I was in a situation where I didn't need to dim parts of myself, where I didn't need to be less of myself. And I think even though I knew that it wasn't really a relationship that I could pursue or a relationship that I could get into for reasons more than just, um, you know, the relationship itself, but just for me personally, I think during that time I discovered that actually it really feels like God is pulling me into a season of singleness and I want to be super intentional about um, being single in this season and growing in my character because I think throughout my time as a single girl, there's really been a lot about myself that I was able to discover and able to deal with and confront. And so I couldn't get into that relationship. But I remember writing in my journal because now I'm that girl, I journal everything. <laughs> right? But I wrote this in my journal and I said, God, dog, I just want to say thank you, dog. Shout out and for to because for the first time, I know that it's possible. Like, I know, and, I, and this was me, like, I'm not trying to twist God's arm. I'm not trying to show God that, okay, God, I've learned my lesson. You can now give me this man. You can hand him over to me. But it was more like a... God, I'm really thankful that I was able to experience this because now I know that the kind of love that I've been told for years was a high standard. The kind of um, interaction that I was told for years was senseless and non-existent, basically. Exists. I saw it with my own two eyes. It was the most perfect thing that I've ever experienced in my life. And I, I mean, granted, people are not perfect. And 100%, like, the nigga had his flaws. <laughs> The nigga, the nigga had his flaws. I remember my friends were like, girl, I, do you see those flaws? Like, do you see that? Because we can see that all the way from here. And I'm like, I see what y'all are saying, but he's special. He's special. And that's when I knew I was like, listen, even in all of the imperfections, those were things that I was 100% willing to work through just because the quality of the interaction was something I had never experienced before. It was everything that I had asked for and told for years that I could never get. So I think even in my singleness, I'm so decisive and I'm so sure that I know what I want and I can get what I want because it 100% does exist. For many years, I... Oh, guys, yo, I don't want to get into the conversation of, like, how I had to just mute myself, kind of, because someone feels like I'm materialistic or someone else feels like I'm a lot to handle or someone else feels like I'm too outspoken. Someone else feels like I'm too this, I'm too that, or I should be a lot more like this and a lot more like that. I just hated having to chop and change myself. And I think that interaction really was, literally when I say God was sending me an angel, God literally was sending me an angel through this person because I felt so affirmed. And I remember this one time where I'm like kind of shaking in my people-pleasing ways, shaking in my seat King for validation and I tried it with this nigga I tried the whole I need validation thing and obviously it wasn't very conscious it wasn't very um like I'm, I'm actively looking for validation it's not something you do subconscious consciously like okay we're gonna seek for validation one two three seek <laughs> you know but it was just kind of something that happened I remember he stopped me in my tracks he was like listen my queen I'm gonna need you to stop right there I said what my king he said this right here this right here 
is something that you need to make a decision about. And whatever decision you make, I'm going to back you because you're that queen. And I know that whatever you decide is going to be the best thing for you. And... Okay, maybe I'm paraphrasing. That was a very terrible paraphrase. <laughs> but I'm avoiding using the actual conversation and the actual context of the scenario because I don't want... Imagine a nigga listening to this podcast and thinking, exactly, I did that. That's me. She's talking about me. You don't need to know that. I've been in how many talking stages? Three? Three. Three talking stages since September last year. So, yeah, it's, it's one of y'all three. I don't know. Y'all need to point fingers at each other and figure it out. But I'm not saying who it is. I'm not giving you the scenario. It's just not going to happen. Because I don't want niggas walking around thinking that they owe me. Because they don't, okay? I mean, maybe they do, but hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey. <laughs> they don't control me, but maybe they do. Hey. <laughs> That's also where I learned that affirmation is actually my top one love language. Because I've never been so affirmed and so heard and felt so seen in my entire life outside of my friendship circles. Because my friends is perfect. They can do anything thing wrong right but something that i had to learn is that a validation is something that comes from god and god alone god is the only person who can validate me as a person but affirmation is what i get from community when i feel god is pulling me in a certain direction and i want to go in that direction my community is what will affirm me and keep me on that path in times where I start doubting myself and start doubting the call of God on my life. So I 100% am not saying stop listening to people and I had to stop listening to people because that's not what I did. All that I had to do was make the mental switch in my mind to say someone's opinion of me is not the final fact about me. Someone's opinion about me is not going to end my life, right? I'm in control of my life. I get to decide whether it ends. I mean, not I get to decide whether it ends or not, child, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's not somebody else's opinion that determines the person that I am. It's what I think of myself and how I carry myself that determines the person that I actually am. And so when it comes to my friendship circle, when it comes to my leaders and my pastors, those are people that I 100% will always take heed to when they speak. And I think the importance in the whole people-pleasing equation and getting people's opinion, because the Bible does teach us that we need to seek wisdom we need to seek godly counsel we need to seek advice from people who have gone ahead of it like why would coaches and mentors exist if all of us must now just listen to our own thoughts and decide what we want for ourselves it doesn't work like that we all need coaches we all need mentors we need someone who's gone through a journey before us that can help us through um certain somethings but what i'm saying is you can't go and ask your friend who's literally always broke 200 times in a month for advice on how to spend your first influencer paycheck Does that make sense? You can't ask a friend who you know, you've got two completely different um, aesthetics. And I can make this example with Rory, one and only Rory. You guys might know her on this internet as one and only Rory. You can go check out her podcast. Um, It's called This Too. It's not called This Too Much. It's called Confessions of a Consecrated Cutie. The tagline is This Too Much. She's so funny and literally one of the wisest people I know. So absolutely go check that out. But... One thing about Rory and I, and we've said this so many times to one another, is that our aesthetics are completely different. Like, she always says I'm the quintessential pastel-colored aesthetic girl, and she's the bubbly, fun-color, wild girl. And so every time that we have to make an aesthetic decision, we can never come to a cohesive agreement because she wants... And I want aesthetics, darling. I want top billing. (laughs) And Rory Sang wants... What does Rory Sang want? MTV base. Rizang wants MTV base. Me, I want top billing. Top billing, MTV base are two great things, but MTV base is going there. Top billing is going there. And and I can't go to her now and ask her for creative input on, 
I don't know, branding thing that I'm doing for myself, a graphic that I'm making for myself, because where you're saying an eyes aesthetic doesn't match. Now you are seeking opinions and you're seeking validation and affirmation from people who are not even experts in the field if which you are struggling to make a decision in my sister. So again, making small decisions for myself, which later led to me making the big decisions that I made, i.e. dropping out of school, coming to Vega, living my life here. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I feel like if I say anything more, I'm definitely going to ramble, but I'm going to leave it here. I know I was all over the place, but this place is also getting super busy and I'm getting super nervous at the thought of people just listening to me speak. <laughs> it's making me sick. It's giving me a lost Um But yeah, definitely next time we'll probably try something a lot more um, <laughs> intermittent because this is definitely not. And I'll just show you a video, I guess, for the people on YouTube. And if you are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I definitely do encourage you to go see what the hell I was facing while I was speaking to you the entire time. Ciao. But otherwise, it's been um, absolutely fabulous being here, chatting to you guys, spending time with you guys. I hope everyone's well. I hope you have a fabulous Friday. Do let me know in the comment section down below ways that you have learned how to combat people pleasing because I definitely am still learning, child, and I definitely am still willing to um, learn more and hear other people's perspectives because saying no is something that I don't think anybody will ever get to a point where you don't feel bad saying no. I mean, I've heard people say they don't feel bad, but like, do you, re you really don't feel bad? Like, saying no, I don't want. That's crazy. Like, that's very crazy. I want to be like you. You're my role model. That's what I want to be. Um, standing firm in my decisions and all of that stuff. And I really hope that you are able to get a little bit of something, even though it's a small something um, out of this that. Your validation really does come from God and God alone. Your community is meant only to affirm you, a.k.a. support you in the decisions that you are making and guide you where needed. Um, and the best thing that you can do for yourself if you feel like you're in a position of people-pleasing, struggling with anxiety and depression and living a life that, you know, isn't even your life is pray obviously but also just making small decisions for yourself and being bold enough and brave enough to make that first outfit choice without asking your friends for validation <laughs> it can be very daunting it can be very scary and i think for me my biggest fear was what if i make this decision and it isn't what god wanted for me like what if i make this decision and it completely messes up my life i fail in front of everyone after putting my foot down for the first time and telling them no i want to stand firm in this decision what if I fall? And, and God encouraged me with the scripture. Or the Holy Spirit encouraged me with the scripture. It's from Romans 8, chapter, Romans 8, verse 28. And it says, why did it exit my head? This is literally my favorite scripture in the whole world. All things, all things, yes. All things work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For So for as long as you are living in the purpose of God, as long as you are loving God with everything that you have in you, the best way that you know how to authentically and genuinely love God, there is absolutely no decision that you can make that God will not turn for good, that God will not use for good. I think the Bible teaches us, and we've seen it in so many different stories, that God even uses your missteps, your wrong steps, to propel you and launch you into your destiny. So read the whole of Romans 8. Yeah, read the whole of Romans 8, because there also is a part after that part where it says, um, everything works out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It speaks about how for as long as you are walking under the guidance of the Spirit of God, there is absolutely no way that God can ever forsake you and 
any decision that you make can ever be wah, 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 if you get what I'm saying. I'm, I'm really losing my train of thought because I'm getting super distracted with all the people walking around. But um, know that you need to learn how to trust the Holy Spirit because that's something I had to learn, how to trust the Holy Spirit and be confident in what I believed the Holy Spirit was communicating and speaking to me and my heart. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So that's been episode one, the official episode. The last one was the pilot. This is episode one of That's Funny. Please do give me a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, five stars, four stars, anything less than four stars. As a belief, can you email email? <laughs> email me. Let's talk about it. We can we can negotiate, okay? We can fix things. We can work on it. Um, but I really do hope, again, that you guys have a fabulous Friday. And I'll see you in two weeks' time. Ciao. <laughs>